This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> This episode of Half Measures is brought to you by Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Hi, I'm Norman Lau, co-host of Mission Log. While Daniel and Paul are doing a bang-up job covering the wide world of pop culture, we're talking Star Trek, one episode at a time over at Mission Log, looking for morals, meanings, and messages. In fact, there are a whole lot of other shows at podcasts.roddenberry.com for you to choose from. Science, feminism, even daily news. Boldly go and find us when you're done here, of course. Again, that address is podcasts.roddenberry.com, and we will be delighted to have you trek us out. Kia ora koutou, and welcome in to another episode of Half Measures. Each week, we watch a bunch of TV shows and movies, and then we tell you what we think, which ones we recommend, and where you can watch them. My name's Paul, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Dan Whiting. Dan, they say life begins at 40. Well, guess what? We've made it to 40 episodes. 40 is outrageous, Paul. It was probably about this time last year that we were, you know, came up with this idea of this podcast obviously pretty unique you know no one's starting podcasts at the moment especially not talking about tv and movies so this was a real game changer and so you know we're we're almost a a year old which is crazy and just in case you're doing the math we used to do episodes like we had maybe like four or five weeks between like episode one and two (laughs) if you if you've been with us from the start you know the, the audio is definitely sketchy hopefully you know you've seen the improvements over time but Congratulations on 40, Paul. Naughty 40s. Here we are. I'm ready. I'm excited. I feel like I'm, you know, I might be in my 40s right now. Maybe. I don't know. And I feel like I'm having a, a great time, a great life. So this should this should be good. Let's see if we can kick through on this spirit all the way through to 50, Dan. Look, it won't be long before we're at episode 100, Paul, next year sometime, if we keep up this uh, weekly format. I'm sure there'll be celebrations. It'll be like at the, the end of Return of the Jedi, Fireworks, bonfires, parades. I, I want a parade. I've always wanted a parade, a carnival. That's 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 when when I get a carnival just for, for you know celebrating me. That's when I think I'll be like, okay, I'm done. That's all I need. Would you be Would you be in like a maybe a convertible car? Yes. And you're like, and you'll be waving to people. There'll be confetti in the streets. You've seen it. This is exactly what it is. I've always imagined. In fact, we're going right off track here, but you know, at the end of Batman, 1989 Batman with the Joker and he's on his float that comes out through through the streets of Gotham and he's there up on top. That's 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 exactly how it's going to be. And for an introvert like myself, that's really that's really quite a thing. Now, what you miss, um, because obviously I'm looking at Paul through, um, <laughs> through a video, is that I'm seeing Paul dance and jiggle away and it's, it's, it's quite something. So... Let's get you that parade, Paul. Let's make it the half measures goal. One day there will be a parade. Dan, I'm going to have to ask you a question because I'm scared where this conversation is going. What have you been watching this week? Well, Paul, what have I been watching? So I came into this podcast thinking 
have I done a bit of a pork and owl? Have I not watched much? But when I started breaking it down, I've actually watched quite a few things. So I'll rattle through them pretty quickly because some of them we've already talked about. So we're still continuing on our Queen of the South journey. Uh, so up to season two of that show. Um, still having an okay time. It's like an okay time at a party where it's it's good. I'm definitely not going to leave, but I'm not sure I'm in for the whole night. But we'll keep going. Um, we've kind of slowed down our watching of it, so we'll probably just continue watching a few episodes here and there. Mm-hmm. We have been watching uh, Broad City, um, which on New Zealand is a, a TV show on Neon. So this is uh, definitely in the palate cleanser range of TV shows. So it's actually pretty old now. I think the first episodes came out back in about 2014. It stars um, Abby Jacobson and Alana Glazer. And it, it's a real, like, it's a great, great comedy. Lots of fun, 20-ish minute episodes. There's about five seasons. Highly recommend it. Lots of laughs to be had. Have you seen this one, Paul? No, I haven't. How you spell it? What's the name of it again? Broad City. B R O A D. It's this Kiwi accent. Yeah, it is. Sometimes it's just it needs some translation. Trust me. Uh, no, I definitely haven't. Uh, good ratings though. Good ratings. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Look, look. It's 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 a lot of fun. It's it's one of those ones where. You know, you just you check it on after you know something else on on TV. You want to end your night with it, so you know I know that you've been looking for something to watch now that you finished mm. Seinfeld. So it's kind of it's it's in that category. So highly recommended. Fifty episodes uh, as well, so you got five seasons yeah. to get through. It's nice. Definitely, I have watched a movie on Amazon Prime. So I'm excited. Oh, I'm excited. You're excited. You're excited. It's a new movie. It's called Palm Springs. So this stars uh, Andy Samberg. It's a movie that came out on Hulu, actually, in America um, a little bit earlier in the year, I think around July. Um, it's only just gone over to Amazon Prime. It's it's a really fun watch. It's a movie um, which it's a little bit hard to talk about without really spoiling the, the major plot point of the, of the movie. Um, but basically it's kind of a bit of a, a romantic comedy mystery film it's, it's got a few laughs it's got quite a compelling story it does something a little bit new I think if you've got Amazon Prime you're looking for a fun movie to watch particularly over the Thanksgiving or, or Christmas break period obviously we don't have Thanksgiving in New Zealand but that's me Paul just reaching out to our American audience I appreciate that um give it a whirl give it a whirl it's it's a lot of fun. Also got uh, J.K. Simmons in it. He plays a, a fantastic role in there. Um, is this one that's on your radar at all, Paul? It actually just did crump, come up on, you know, when the tiles came across suggesting things that came up for me just recently. And, you know, what the first thing I thought, and so I'm, I'm going to be able to ask you this now, is when I saw uh, Andy Sandberg, I mean, he's just irresistible in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I mean, he's the happy did that show. I love him in that show. But I feel like, that, having tested it, I feel like, He's Andy Sandberg. He, he he's always going to be, he's always going to be that guy. He's always going to be the cop. He's always going to be who he is. Uh, is he? Is is he actually? Does does he come across as 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 another character in this movie, or is his humour always pointing him back towards you know going straight back to Brooklyn Nine Nine? 
it's definitely Brooklyn Nine Nine. He's definitely Jake Peralta in this, and it's I think you know almost like we talked about um, with Ryan Reynolds, mm, kind yeah. of a little bit uh, typecast. But I think I feel like Andy Samberg's a little bit more fresh on the scene. So um, it's a fun movie. This isn't as as pure comedy as as something like Brooklyn Nine Nine um, or some of his other great movies like Hot Rod or. Um, never stop stopping. It's it's a little bit um, not serious, but it's a bit more of a, a, a drier tone to it. But it, he still brings the laugh. So I think if you've got Amazon Prime, this is definitely one to watch. I, I, I give it, you know, what was my guns at combo scale today? Out of four guns, I'd probably give it a good three guns. So okay. it's it's worth it. It's worth it. Consistent. And Paul, I've also started another TV show. Another little indie project that you might have heard of. Mm-hmm. You probably haven't seen it. Oh. Star Trek Discovery on Netflix. Never heard of it. Dan, I could not be more watch it. I could not be more <laughs> I could not be more excited. I uh, I had an inkling this may happen. And so this is this is great news. You're season one, so for me, I feel like you're in one of the strongest places this the, the first season is so great what are you thinking so far all right so i've actually watched a couple of episodes of season one of star trek discovery when it first came out back in 2017 and for whatever reason it was coming out episode by episode and it it just didn't stick fast forward 2020 paul's taking me on a, a star trek um educational experience Bearing in mind that I've watched all five, is it five or six? Red five Alert, six. six. <laughs> I've already forgotten. Oh, God, I'm <laughs> failing. Um, you know, having watched now six Star Trek movies, having started um, The Next Generation, when we decided to put on Discovery after you've been talking about it for quite a while and knowing kind of where it sits in the, in the Star Trek timeline, it actually made so much more sense to us and so we've only watched the first two episodes of season one but we came into it knowing exactly um you know we, we knew all about um the klingons we knew all about the federation we knew all about um the klingon ships we knew about why um why these treaties were important we know you know i just feel like we came into it educated and informed so i think your Star Trek advice is actually top tier. When you say watch the six movies, then go into Discovery, it really sets you up well. And I think so what I was missing to start with, I just didn't have that right context and right history. So after finishing episode two, that was just last night, we're hooked. We're, we're ready for more. So pretty excited that there's, uh, oh, there'll be a good two and a half seasons out, hopefully by the time we catch up, but it's it's good stuff. Brilliant. It really warms my heart hearing that. And I appreciate your comment that I give top two advice because we don't talk about our real world jobs very often on this podcast. But for anyone who's ever wondered, I am actually a principal advisor in Star Trek history and law, L-O-R-E. And so that's obviously testament to my work. Um, so Discovery, uh, you're only two episodes in. Okay, okay. So we're still real early days. Uh I, so I have so many questions. Ahead. I have so many questions I want to ask. But first of all, I also want to say to listeners, I really appreciate earlier in the week Dan Whiting sending me a, a a message across telephones, which had a picture of someone showing their shoulder, and there was nothing on the shoulder. And the caption below it was, "Check out my new Klingon bird of prey tattoo." 
And if you're not laughing at this point, it means you don't get it. But the fact that you get it done, that was brilliant. Look, I deal in memes and memes speak to me. And now I deal in Star Trek memes. So you've really opened up a whole new world for me. So, so look, in the Discovery sense, um, if you haven't seen Discovery, maybe you might want to look at the, the time codes in the podcast and just sort of jump forward a, a few minutes. So basically what we're up to is we've had the all the, the Klingon ships have arrived. Um, they've gone over. Um, Michael's just been sentenced with um, the Federation. Mm. It's it's all go. There's so much stuff has actually happened. And the quality of the show feels so good after, you know, after watching some of that, that older content. Um, I think Michael as a character is seems like a lot of fun. And I think to your point, always loved her as Sasha in The Walking Dead. And the other good thing now is it's actually been a few years since I've seen her as Sasha. So I can kind of now accept her as a different character. I loved learning, and we're obviously in the early days, a little bit more of her Vulcan upbringing and what it means to be a ward, uh, some of the some of the technology and stuff. It's It's so much fun. Oh, it's great. Look, I, I want this to be a, a, a weekly feature on the show where you tell us where you're up to in, in, in Star Trek Discovery because going back through is going to encourage me to, to go back and do a rewatch. But um, there are some really great characters in the show. Doug Jones, who plays Saru, Anthony Rapp, who plays Paul Stamets in particular, two favourites. But yeah, Sonika Madden-Green as as Michael Burnham is, is the standout. She's always been exceptional. And of course, you've met the captain of the Discovery, I presume... The captain of the discovery? No, I don't think so. Okay, I'm not sure where we're up to. Okay, so I won't say anything at this point. But you're in for a great week's worth of television. There's going to be some right. some great people coming onto the show. Fantastic, Dan. Fantastic. And then everything else that I've watched is really things that we've uh, jointly watched together. So I could probably hand the the talking stick and the mic over to you, Paul. Thank you, Dan. Well, with you doing Star Trek, it's only appropriate once again that I'm coming in to talk about Fast and the Furious, isn't it? So finally, uh, having watched all of the movies up until The Fate of the Furious, we have now also watched Hobbs and Shaw. So Dan, as you well know, the synopsis for this one, uh, we have Luke Hobbs, played by Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Deckard Shaw, Jason Statham, forming an unlikely alliance when a cyber-genetically enhanced villain threatens the future of humanity. What I found most interesting about this, actually there's two things. One is the number of big stars in the cast once again. So as I said, we've already got The Rock and Statham. We've now got Idris Elba, who's top tier, as you say. We've got Ryan Reynolds. We've got Vanessa Kirby coming in as a as Statham's sister. We've got our very own Cliff Curtis. And we've got Helen Mirren. It's really getting into that Expendables vibe for, for big names dropping in and having fun. And and actually, the, the second thing that I found most interesting sort of plays on that having fun. Kind of like it, actually, kind of like Expendables 2 and 3. They've really ramped up the humour in this in this movie so much so that actually just looking on a couple of sites they some sites actually classify it as comedy out and out and i find that really interesting because even when a lot of other movie franchises 
have particular movies that are a little bit funnier and delve into a bit of comedy they never kind of cross the line and go f- sort of full comedy so like star trek did right with the the voyage home where they went back and got the whales from 1986 it's funny but it was still a serious movie in its own right so um so i found that quite uh, interesting um and the dialogue between statham and, and dwayne johnson as you said is once again hilarious i do feel like they've leaned into it almost too far like they sort of drag it out a scene that's a little bit too far where they're training insults i don't know maybe i'm being harsh what's your take on this movie i think it's a movie that i've come to appreciate a little bit more as as time has gone on um it's there's obviously a lot of banter between them and it's at times is really funny at times it's a little bit fatiguing but for all in all actually i found it a, a really fun movie and i am i like that now it's kind of carved off as a bit of a niche and could go in its own mm. direction it doesn't need the the wider fast and the furious universe but it's got enough references i indeed uh, i do it as well i like, love all of the 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 big names that are in this and i feel like as hollywood actors i imagine when you get the call to say hey do you want to come on hobson shore you're just in it, and it's lots of fun, and you're having a great time. So, yeah, look, I think it's it, like it's 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 a good fun movie. It's um, got lots of laughs. It meets the tier of a a fun movie to watch with your parents. I think. Mm, no, agreed. And look, I, I've, there's a number of things I wanted to say about it. And the, the last thing I want to say, which is perhaps somewhat negative, is I do feel like they overused a little bit of um, pretty average actually CGI. And I think there are some stunts that because they're using the CGI, you kind of lose the intensity of the moment because you know it's not really happening. So if you think about the way Idris Elba's motorcycle was was moving, as as someone who knows a thing or two about motorcycles, it was quite obviously some CGI in there. It was nicely done, but some of it was a little dodgy. But the highlights for me outweigh those negative points. So um, Jason Statham, I found hilarious throughout. He's probably the standout for me. I always enjoy him. I, I really enjoyed how he blatantly referenced his part in the Italian job. So he's walking through his garages and he passes a mini and it's kind of like, oh, wow, that's just like in the Italian job. And then he even says something like, oh, this came in Andy in Italy or, or something like that. You know, it's kind of like it, they're really sort of making it pretty damn obvious. Um, the the other thing I really liked was the, the, the Mick Jagger, as they called it, the Mick Jagger routine where Vanessa Kirby and Statham talk about, oh, back in the day you'd, you, you do this this thing um, where the person at the front gets all the attention whilst you have the band in the background actually making the music, getting the job done. So they, they want a distraction so they can go and break into wherever insane place Idris Elba's character was hiding. That was pretty good. The best action scene for me would, would have to be either that one where we had the rock in the truck, Statham in his military beach buggy, and then this insane Terminator-like character that Idris Elba was playing on a motorcycle. I thought that was just... A really great that was a great action scene and then the other one was the where they're scaling down the side of that building and you've got the rock uh sort of you know naturally as you'd expect with the rock running down the side of it like an abseiler whilst jason statham's coming down sort of in an in an external elevator and even as they're coming down in, in the heat of the moment with all this absolute danger they've still got time as they're coming down the building to trade insults with each other it's that's that's great popcorn film right it's great, right? Because I think Jason um, Statham and the and the Rock are both pure uh, athletes. 
but they come at it from like very different angles. You know, like the rock's obviously like a, a unit, right? Mm. And he's having to like cram himself into little sports cars. You've got Jason Statham, who's who's a little guy, but you know, basically going toe to toe with all these bad guys. I actually think from memory, I feel like the trailer to this movie actually ruined a lot of the the goofs and the gags with it. Right. And so I if you haven't seen the trailer, it's probably more fun. When you were talking about uh, gripes, the bit that kind of stood out in my mind is I, I actually found the the Ryan the Ryan Reynolds bits maybe a little bit overused and a little bit like you know how we always talk about like he's just got that one style like we don't really necessarily need all, all all of that constantly and I think the movie's maybe a little bit long in parts like it's two hours seventeen it could probably be a little bit um and tighter yeah. and short but at, at the end of the day it's a great you know great popcorn movie correct. And look, the one thing I will say, and I thought I'd never say this, so maybe you've really converted me down, is I actually wish that Vin Diesel showed up at some point, just for a little cameo, just for a little banter with, I don't know, the, the Rock or Statham or Idris Elba or someone. So that would have been nice, but uh, but there we go. So that means I'm all up to date now, Dan. And so I'm all ready for, for F9 whenever that comes out. And we're going we're gonna to hit the cinema in Wellington, you and I, is that correct? That is correct. We'll be doing it together. And I think we go um, straight after to a, a live not alive you know well let's do an immediate reaction okay sounds good um what else have i got so uh, that's right i started my rewatch of better call saul the show that you and i obviously both love and honestly all i can say is it feels so good to be watching it it feels like that feeling when you put on your favorite jacket it's like and in fact it's 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 just it's almost better than I remember it because if anything I know what's to come so I'm appreciating it even more this rewatch and uh, having done the Breaking Bad rewatch this is this is great and actually watching Jimmy McGill you know who becomes Saul and, and Mike Ehrmantraut starting their journey into that Breaking Bad world it's it's so much fun and it's, it's exactly what I need right now if I'm honest and I won't talk about this rewatch lucky which each week because I'll be doing it for weeks but every now and then I think there might be some things that I want to bring into this discussion. And one of the things I wanted to talk about this week uh, is the episode 5.0, um, which is an episode written by Gordon Smith, uh, who's one of the best writers of the show. And I will talk spoilers. So if anyone is thinking of watching it, um, check the time codes, as, as Dan said, and jump forward. But this is the episode, I don't know if you remember it, Dan, where we find out about how Mike is originally from Philadelphia. We find out that he's been a cop for 30 years and how he basically avenged the death of his son, who was also a cop. Um, and in fact, he that cop, his son, had been murdered by two corrupt cops. And the manner in which he goes about this is just delightful. And this whole episode, this is why I single this episode out, it's so great. He basically, he finds this bar where he knows these two cops who've killed his son are drinking. He then finds their car outside. He carefully breaks into that car sneaks a gun onto the back seat of it and then he goes into the bar pretends to get drunk he, he stumbles up to the two cops and says he knows what they did and then he stays there drinking all night and then he stumbles out at 2am knowing that they'll be waiting for him which true enough they are they pick him up they check he doesn't have a gun they chuck him on the back seat and so basically and then they drive off to some remote location to take care of him but he's not drunk and guess what he's also armed and he takes them out. And it's just it's just superb. It's so satisfying to watch an episode like that. Um, and I guess the bigger point here is that the, the, seeing Mike's backstory and getting that rich understanding 
what's shaped him into the person he is. It's so rewarding and really demonstrates how powerful a backstory episode can be when it's done well, unlike some other shows which we might talk about later on the podcast. <laughs> but yeah, this backstory, this whole flashback episode, it's look, it's scoring. I had a look. It's scoring 9.5 out of 10 on IMDb. So full credit to everyone who worked on it because it's top tier television. I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle you talking about Better Call Soul, Paul, because it's going to make me want to rewatch it. And I just, it's, I saw some photos the other day of, from the latest season of Better Call Soul, where Soul and Mike are in the desert. And it yep. just was like, oh, God, it's so good. And even just hearing you tell that Mike story, I was like, I, I need to see more of it. I need to see more of it. Who's got time to be watching this content? But I've got to make time. This, this universe is just incredible. And I, as you know, a, a huge Star Trek fan, but in terms of television shows of all time, just very, very quickly, I, I struggle to think of any universe that I more enjoy exploring, any universe, uh, just with these characters. And it's such a simple universe as well. That's what makes it quite quite extraordinary. But uh, yeah, um, I, will, I will bring up an episode here or there as we go through the weeks then. No, don't stop, don't stop. But it's, it's so good. And I think what you just described is the quality of the writing and I think it's just so well done. The small details really pull together such a strong story. And everything that you've just painted the picture of is exactly what Mike would do. Mike is always five steps ahead of everyone else. He knows how the game is played and he knows what, um, what threads to pull. It's, it's great. It's beautiful television. And I've, I've, I feel like I've talked across a couple of things for a little bit long. And so... I think everything else I've watched is the same as you. And also, in addition to uh, Mandalorian and Walking Dead uh, watches, we also both watched the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air 30-year reunion, didn't we? We did indeed. So uh, this is a show, well, uh, it's it's a one-off special that I didn't know I needed in my life, but it was a lot of fun to watch. So this is basically uh, Will Smith and... Um, a lot of the, the core actors from the show getting back together, uh, reminiscing about the show, what how it kind of came about, telling some great stories, reconnecting. If you were a fan of Fresh Prince at all, I, I think you should watch this. It's, it's, it's pretty wholesome. It's pretty feel-good. I had a good time. We went into this thinking it could be a real – nice sort of like a nice funny watch for a friday night laugh and and you know large portions of it was but we were not ready for the layers of emotions that came with it and that's what makes it so great and so compelling and exactly i echo everything you've just said if you were a fan of this if you found it funny at any point whether you watched it in the 90s or or, or more recently you will love this and i actually wish more shows i would love it if more tv shows did this I think it's a great thing to do to bring everyone back. In fact, Star Trek Deep Space Nine did this recently, like 20 years after Deep Space Nine finished. And that was great too. But this this Fresh Prince of Bel-Air one, for me, hit home more, despite the fact I'm a bigger Star Trek fan, obviously. But it hit home more because the way they just all got back together and they all went back to the set of that house and they all got into that lounge, there was something really powerful about that and the emotions that they were all going through seeing each other back there again was so vivid it was it was like you said it was something i did not think i needed in my life and it was it was a really enjoyable watch 
I think too what um, was interesting is obviously you know, James Avery, who who passed away, who paid um, Uncle Phil. He obviously wasn't there, but I think they paid a really nice homage to him as a as a character, as Uncle Phil, as a as a dad on the set. And the other thing, like when I watched The Fresh Prince of Bel Air, it was a it was a early teenage years, uh, the young Daniel Whiting era, and some of the the messages and stories that they were, were telling were actually really groundbreaking, and I think it really hit me the of, of how how much work they were trying to do to um, talk about issues which are still facing society today, and that that was both sad and depressing, but I think they, they paved the way um, for a lot of this stuff going forward. Um, and I think the other thing that really I I didn't know I wanted to know more about was actually the the change in um, actress from mm. um, Janet Hubert to Daphne Reed. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I I remember at the time, um, young Daniel White, and thinking, why have they changed um, Aunt Viv? And not really probably ever doing any, any sort of looking into it and I guess we didn't even have the internet to look into it so it just is what it, it is what it is but yeah. actually seeing uh, Will Smith reconnect uh, in that space was a, a, a truly sort of um, powerful and emotional moment I think. Yeah no definitely and just I didn't expect her to show up because I didn't know what had happened either in fact as Diana and I were watching this we were like we were looking at the people on the couch and going well, hang on, what's, and then we were like, oh yeah, that's right, they changed. And then Diana started looking at the story and it was all about how there'd been this huge falling out. And so we were sitting there going, oh, no wonder she's not on the couch, you know, and then she shows up. That was intense. And that's what I love about it. They didn't have to go there with that. They didn't have to do that, but they, they chose to. And Will Smith, who seems like the most likable guy ever, um, you know, there must've been something real there. And he he put himself out there and they filmed it all live with her coming back in and I found that really, really powerful. And just like you said, James Avery, I mean, Uncle Phil was my favourite character and so when they talked about him at length, obviously there was even more tears when they talked about him and I am I feel like I'm maybe not being conveying the, the, that genuine love of feeling that these guys all have for each other. It's really compelling watching and um, I, I just feel like, I don't know how I'd cope if I was watching something like that and it was like a Seinfeld show, I don't know. But for this group of actors, it just felt, I can't imagine any other show having quite as much emotion about it and, and just a feeling of family. It was it was really genuine. It's really, it's really good. Like, I think you, you said it nicely. Like, Will Smith seems like a genuinely good human being. And he seems like a, a fun guy to be around. It was so fun to kind of hear about the, the origin story and the, the creation of how the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air came to be. It was fun to see all these uh, actors who obviously play a family, but, you know, s- still actually, like they are a family. And I think, you know, something you just said before, around you wish more shows did, um, had these sort of reunion specials. And it's funny because when I hear reunion special, my eyes normally roll back in my head and I think, oh God, do we really need it? But if, if the reunions are going to be like this, I'm all about it. Uh, it. It was so much fun. I I only watched it because you you know you sent me a message saying I'm going to watch this, and I was like, oh yeah, I'll give it a go. And I had such a great time. It definitely made me want to watch some more Fresh Prince. In fact, hmm. you know, 
we're always talking about these palaquins of TV shows, and I think Fresh Prince could actually really nicely fill into that void as well. That is not a bad suggestion at all. We um we've been talking about that at length, and in fact, Veep, we think, might be the direction we're going to go go in based on your recommendation, based on the fact obviously we've got Julia Lewis Dreyfus as as Elaine crossing over as as another character. But you're right, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. I enjoyed it back then. Why wouldn't I enjoy it again now? So um, so yeah, go and definitely anyone who's listening, check it out. It's on if you're in New Zealand. It's on TVNZ on demand, and if you, yeah, it's an hour well spent if you've ever enjoyed it. Well, Paul, it must be that time for a bit of Star Wars: The Mandalorian. You have spoken. Chapter twelve: The Siege. So, this was a. a I'm going to be honest. Going into this episode, I felt a little bit nervous. I felt a little bit unsure. There was a couple of scenes early on that made me kind of think, "Oh, oh, is this going to be? Is this going to be my first episode where I'm not sure of?" But I'll tell you what: by the end, hot damn, it was a goodie, um, and I enjoyed so much of this episode. I think they had some great balance of, like, obviously it was still a, a side story because everywhere the Mandalorian goes, everyone needs some help with just a little side quest to to help him on his way. I thought that Carl Weathers did a fantastic job of mm. the directing. I thought there was some fantastic um, chase scenes. I thought the space, uh, the um, Razor Crest sort of spaceship battle at the end was top tier. I love that he was kind of on his way again. I I love the um, the child humor. I had a good time. What about you, Paul? Everything you just said is true. I, I started off feeling the same way, and by the end of it, I thought, oh, that's so good. And we went straight into our rewatch the day after, which is, you know, all three of us rewatching again is, is fantastic. So much goodness. Carl Weathers was was fantastic. So many great moments. Once again, I've made some notes because there's just things that I just, I just need to talk about, which are, are just great. And I don't like making notes, as you well know. So if I'm making notes, that's because I'm really invested in the show. Um, just great story, great action, and they're just, again, I know we've said it before, just pulling on all the right levers, all the right notes to, to really hook in Star Wars fans. And in particular, probably classic Star Wars fans from that original trilogy. Just just so much goodness. Um, I've got heaps of things I can add, but um, Dan, what are some of your favorite moments from this episode? Um, well, I, one of my favourite scenes, actually, uh, just because I thought it was um, really badass, was when the the speeder bikes are leaving that base and they kind of like race off the cliff and they've got the scout troopers on them. Obviously, a few of those um, scout troopers, all the gear, no idea because they instantly crash into a into a rock and, and blow up their speeder. But I just thought it was so cool just to imagine like a speeder bike jumping off a cliff, shooting down the side of a hill and hitting that chase scene. My other favorite moment uh, was that was this uh, the Razor Crest part where he basically like flies up into the air after racing back to get the child. Like yes. I got to get the child. Bam, he's out of there. And then fighting those Tie Fighters, and then just like barrel rolling down. So so good. I really enjoyed that those scenes as well. The the fact that we had the Mandalorian in throughout season one for so long without the jetpack. I don't know how we cope without it because now it's part of his identity. I love. He's just going to take off at any point and do things like that. I love the scout troopers chasing on the speeder bikes. And honestly, the, the sound of them 
takes me straight back to Return of the Jedi on Endor. When I see that speeder bike going along, it was just superb. And then when they thought they'd escaped and they're shouting, yeah, we did it. And then you see those TIE fighters with the folding wings taking off. And then they hear that haunting, screaming sound of the TIE fighters in the air above them. And then we essentially have a chase that looks like a, a trench run from from A New Hope. It's um, it's just great. There's there's so much in here that I could pick apart. Carl Weathers, as you said, did such a great job with the direction. One of the things I picked up on, I don't know if I'm seeing things I've looked online. I can't find anyone else talking about it. But when he walks up to, Man- to Mando when they're reunited and he goes to shake his hand, the angle, the camera that he has of the handshake is the exact same angle that he has when he's playing the part of Dylan shaking Dutch's hand, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger in The Predator. It's the same handshake. I loved it. Um, the the Stormtrooper voices, if you listen to these Stormtrooper voices, they're just almost identical to the the voices you hear in the original trilogy as well. Whenever they're sort of like, all right, we'll check it out. Just the, the voices are just amazing. Um, some really funny moments in there. Like when he's ha- he's having to go out to try and turn the power down, and he's like, "There's not even a guardrail here." It's like it's 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 one of the classic things in, in Star Wars where if there's going to be a, a place you have to go to press some buttons, and it, there's going to be a long drop, there'll be no guardrail guaranteed. Uh, what was the other thing I wanted to talk about? Uh, oh, I noticed the um, I'm not sure how familiar you are with Battlefront Two, but the Imperial base that's in amongst all the rocks and it's surrounded by lava very much like that one in Battlefront 2. Um, and I, again, I've talked about it before, I love it when they sort of base things on, or, or at least draw inspiration from things that are already within the canon universe, which maybe aren't well known to, to most fans. I thought that was 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 re- really, really great. Um, and I also enjoyed uh, the, the start scene with those aliens, which I've looked up. They're called a qualish. I don't know what that is. We saw them a lot in Rebels. We saw them in Clone Wars. But basically, these are the, the aliens that we saw first attacking Luke in the Cantina Bar. And they look like kind of got like two sausages for a mouth or something. It was great seeing them in live action for the for the first time since uh, the the very first movie in New Hope. It was great to see. I love them bringing back aliens that we've hardly seen before. Did you uh, notice the – you might have picked this up because you're – I feel like you're far more attentive to the detail than I am, Paul. That the those aliens that were in there were actually in the forge from the the Mandalorian. Yes. In, in yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And it's little things like that that are that are really good. So the attention to detail on this show is second to none. That said, this week you did send me a picture, Dan, which told me that maybe the production team aren't quite second to none. What what did some of the fans pick up on? Yeah, so it looks like uh, the Mandalorian has had its own Game of Thrones coffee cup in the scene situation, where on uh, one of the scenes where Carl Weathers is um, in the in the gunfight, there you can see basically, and I think it's really been turned up in, in Photoshop. They've really cranked up the lighting to show this. You can see basically a a sound guy or someone on set, basically, and you can see somebody in t-shirts and the jeans kind of standing off camera, and you can even tell by the way that he's standing, he clearly thinks he's not in the shot. But you know what the internet does. When they find things like this, they they really dig into it. So, I, look, I think it's it's a shame because it kind of ruins the uh, the fantasy element of it. But also, you know, no one's losing any sleep over it. We all have a good laugh about it. We probably all need to, you know, have a laugh in 2020 to get some feelings back. 
Correct. And there was a lot of laughter in this episode as well with um, the child going to school, um, nicking that kid's minty sweets or whatever they were, and you know, using the force. <laughs> Brilliant. Can we can we just talk about this kid? So, I, so what are these like space macaroons? Also, can you just share some with like this is new kid? He's just come out of nowhere. He's just been put in the school. You've got a whole packet of like blue macaroons. Just share one. Like he deserved to have those stolen. Good on the child for taking them. <laughs> That's a message. We should feed that back to the producers, right? I think you're right. He should have shared. But then, of course, we see the child having maybe one too many. And so when he's off, uh, you know, on board the Razor Crest and there, there's the dogfight going on and he's got his arms in the air, he's having a great time and then he throws up. I mean, it's 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 every parent's nightmare and he has to deal with it. I think it's so funny how this whole uh, snick and snack culture is just turned into a great, great joke with the child because as soon as you see um, he's eyeballing those cookies, he, you know he's going to get them because it's great. It, there's, I feel like I'm laugh out loud laughing when I see these things now. It's so much fun. There was also some goodness even in that school scene. I don't know if you spotted the the protocol droid that was teaching the class. Um, that droid was talking specifically. And it was only in the background, so you had to really listen hard. And I picked up on the rewatch, was talking about um, the moor and the Kessel Run and that whole expanse of space that was explored during the movie Solo. And so it was actually, they were talking about that whole area of space um, teaching the kids probably never to go there because we all saw what happened to the Falcon. That was that was a nice touch. Um, I really enjoyed seeing um, uh, the, the New Republic X-Wing pilot back again and his, his chat at the end with Cara Dune. You know, I wonder, could he tempt her back into the New Republic? You never know. She's from Alderaan. She's lost everything. Who knows? I think too the other scene that we probably need to talk about is obviously the clones at the or, the, or actually the cloning process that was happening. Mm. And I've seen a few headlines around the internet that has the Mandalorian season two, the siege, actually explained cloning and what's happening a little bit better than we ever saw in the in the latest trilogy. And I think you know they've got a real potential to expand on that story. And I think what people uh, sometimes forget is like. This is all the stuff that's building us up into The Force Awakens. Like, obviously, there's that 25-ish year gap between it. But, you know, you know, there's lots of debate about, you know, what who who were the clones in those um, back to tanks, potentially? Hmm. Um, were they the Snokes? Were they um, the new clone sort of army that, um, that Moff's building? Who knows? But exciting stuff. And... Again, just seeing Moff Gideon, such a great bad guy. Oh, Moff Gideon is just insane. And, yeah, let's to break out of the universe. Yeah, Giancarlo Esposito playing Gus Fring. We, we've said before, the perfect bad guy. You, you, he'll never play a better bad guy than this. He's giving himself a run for his money. It's, it's extraordinary. Um, seeing him at the end there with those, what were they? I've seen theories. Are they dark troopers? Uh, are they, um, they sort of almost look, almost like my son said to me, they, they look like Darth Vader's, you know, what are these things? Are they, are they droid? Um, there's various theories going around. I love seeing that guy there who was sort of talking with him wearing a scientist uniform, just like Galen Erso wore in, in Rogue One. Um, very, very fascinating to know what those clones are all about. Um, some of the theories I've heard, like you. Just, just crazy was it as to what it could be because you know you start thinking about Snoke, you start thinking about Palpatine, you start thinking 
what was the well there's all kinds of crazy theories but i guess we'll find out in due time it's definitely got me excited for the next episode paul so we know that the next episode is directed by dave filoni Mm. we know that the next episode is called the jedi so i think we're in for some goodness written and directed by dave filoni called the jedi i i cannot wait for friday that's, that's all I can I say. It's a soccer. It has to be, right? It has to be like, the episode. Like, I am about to go on my first school road trip and I can't contain my excitement. I want to savor this episode and just, just soak it all in. And it's going to be intense, right? Because obviously, you and I are bigger soccer fans. Uh, we, we've seen that character really almost kind of grow up um, mm. through both the Clone Wars. And Rebels, it's going to be our first time seeing her uh, potentially, you know, live, potentially. Mm. Um, who else is going to be with her? What's this introduction of the Jedi going to look like? Oh, I've got so many questions. I, I hope this is about a six-hour episode, and I hope that it gets 10 out of 10. It's the, actually, it's funny. The first thing I do when I press play on Disney Plus for these episodes is I look at the the length of time the episode is like, am I in for – because sometimes they'll go as short as like 39 minutes, and sometimes you might get like 57. So that's a big difference there. So, yeah, I really hope this one is a reasonably good length for us, um, I think. Everyone would 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 appreciate that, but like you say, seeing Ahsoka, having first seen her, I remember going into the the movie theater back in two thousand eight because, of course, the Clone Wars had a theatrical release here in New Zealand. I presume it did most places, and I remember going into that that animated movie and coming out. And I'll be honest, I, I will be honest with you, I came out of that movie thinking I'm not sure about this Ahsoka character. All she's doing is is calling Anakin Sky Guy, and she's getting called Snips. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure yet. But then through the Clone Wars didn't take long for us to really come to love that character and then by the end of it and by rebels and by season seven of clone wars she as i think you said last week she's she's so central to everything she has such a unique vision across so many different things that for her to come into live action for so many star wars fans is going to be a great moment you know the other thing that gets me really excited paul is Every now and again, I just sort of sit there and I think, who is alive from Return of the Jedi and still in the realm of who the Mandalorian could come across? Now, I know that in reality, a lot of these things won't happen because it would either have to be done with CGI or different actors and stuff. But the Mandalorian is in the same universe as Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Princess Leia, Chewbacca. Like, it's so surreal it wouldn't surprise me to see someone maybe i wouldn't actually say any of those characters you've just said because they all seem like that beyond you know but you're absolutely right you just you just never know who might be showing up and um i you know someone like lando might not be out of the question you know um but i i just don't know i just don't know i am um, I, I will just say one quick thing before i forget then i am nervous about the casting of Ahsoka and more so than anything, the voice, because of course the the voice is is Ashley Eckstein and she has been the whole time, but we're, we're 99% certain Ashley Eckstein won't be cast as the actress. So uh, we've heard lots of rumors about um, a number of actresses who, who may be taking on, on the role, but um, we think it's Roxanne Dawson, but, that's just a rumor, isn't it? 
is it is it Roxanne or Rosanna, Rosanna Dawson? Uh, not um, Roxanne Dawson played um, Belana Torres in Star Trek Voyager. I've got my names wrong. No, the one from um, uh, Daredevil. Daredevil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I um, I'm very confident in that actress. I think that she's great. I'm with you on the voice, and it kind of there's something that makes me a little bit sad when. Um, someone's been the voice actor for the animated version of that character for such a long time that they wouldn't get to continue that or have the chance to bring it to real life. But I guess this is the potentially maybe the difference between being a voice actor and being a, an actor. I don't, I don't know. What do I yeah. know about acting? I think Rosario Dawson, if it is her, will be, yeah. will be a great choice. But yeah, I am nervous about it. But yeah, to your point about the characters, you know, you just never know. It wouldn't surprise me to, to see someone, but uh, I'm more interested at this point in the characters we've already got on the table. I'm more interested in revisiting Boba Fett and also the possibility. This is what a, what a geek I am. I'm more excited about the opportunity of seeing some characters from Rebels than I am from the, the original trilogy. I feel like the original trilogy has had it come back with the with the sequel trilogy. So, yeah. Look, I agree. I, I don't need to see any of those characters. I just get excited that they exist in the same universe. Mm. And I think the, the Mandalorian should focus on uh, more of those smaller characters and the untold stories because I think that's what's exciting and that's what um, makes this universe more interesting. Yeah. All right, Paul, this time uh, next week we'll be we'll know. We'll know who Ahsoka is. We'll, we'll either be super hyped, we'll be super sad. I'm, I'm sure we'll be hyped. We love this show. We're all about it. How can it We're go team wrong? Mandalorian. How can it go wrong? We're setting ourselves up for disappointment, right? How can it go wrong? We're completely overhyping ourselves. Indeed. Let's indeed. jump in. Let's jump into some Walking Dead, shall we? All right. So, um, look, this is a another fan favorite segment. Everyone loves us. The loves hearing us talk about the Walking Dead. But if you are not a Walking Dead fan, make sure you take a look at those show notes and skip ahead. Uh, it's normally requires skipping ahead of about probably 15 to 20 minutes, but we'll see how we go. I'll tell you what, Paul, we're going to start with World Beyond. I don't really have that much negative stuff to say. There's some things that were frustrating, but you know what? All in all, I thought this episode was okay. I thought so. (sighs) It was okay. It was fine. We got to... The bit at the end was interesting. We didn't go anywhere like we do in every episode. Um, Silas annoyed me. Um, Alton was awesome. Next. Yeah. No, I'm really glad to hear you're on Team Elton there because uh, he's he's been one I've loved from the start. He's 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 great, and I love I loved his attitude at the end when he's like, "Do you know what? I'm going to go and help my friend, even if our friend Silas is not someone who." you or I have necessarily connected with. It's his loyalty that's good. It was great to see Hope finally spill the beans and, and get that truth out there. I thought that was good. Um, but after all of my positive positivity last week, I feel like welcome back to, to Picky Paul um, as I come back in with some more criticism. Although I must stress my negativity isn't being aimed at the whole, what are we doing? Let's move this forward thing. Because I think we know that's We've let go of that now. My criticism is more about, do we really need to have dived into Silas's backstory that much? And I draw the comparison to what I talked about with Better Call Saul, about why that felt relevant, why that felt powerful, and why it added so much to the story. I really wonder, is this backstory going to benefit anyone? We'd already seen glimpses of his backstory. And for me, that was fine. I liked it. It was enough. I didn't need this whole 
story necessarily. What I will say is the story itself was quite powerful, I guess. Um, it did. It was really sad. I really felt for this kid. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I just I just wonder, depending on what happens to the character now, having wandered off by himself, um, did we need it? Like you, like you, I'm kind of like next. I think um, you know. You and I are Walking Dead experts, Paul. We um, I don't know why we haven't been hired to basically be showrunners or consulting producers or something. It annoys me. I I feel like you know, to your point around Better Call Soul, it might have been better to have the first season purely based around this, the, the core story and then actually season two brings in the elements of the backstory once we actually care a bit more about these characters. Because with okay. you, I, I liked, I, I, felt, I felt sorry for Silas, I felt sorry for his situation. It gave us a bit more of a glimpse. But to, to be fair, in The Walking Dead your backstory doesn't really matter. Do you know what I mean? Like we're in a humans are reanimating, turning into zombies, trying to eat you. It doesn't really matter. We're, let, let's all reset. Obviously like Silas glitched or he didn't glitched or whatever, but I found it really frustrating that he just couldn't speak up and, and say what happened. He kind of had to leave it to mystery. Um, but it did make me, it, Weirdly, it made me really appreciate Alton Moore as a character. I like that he went with Silas. I thought that was that really showed a lot of character growth for me. I I really enjoy Hope's character. I think another strong candidate. I liked how we got a bit more backstory at the very end of the episode. But as far as everyone else is concerned, like we've got what two episodes left, Paul. Mm. I know, I know, I know. And look, it was like you said, that end scene was was quite interesting and great to finally see the CRM again and see Julia Ormond's character and, and, and sort of that reveal that Huck is, you know, that, that inside insider, uh, that was, that I'll be honest, that, that surprised me. I didn't see that coming. I thought that was quite well done. Um, maybe I'm a bit slow on the uptake. Well, so it, it surprised me too until they said they had someone on the inside and then it, it couldn't really be anyone else for me. Yeah, true, true, true. And I feel like, the thing that is good about this is like great they've kind of surprised us with this little twist hopefully now there's going to be some huck's going to bring the rest of the group up to speed with what's happening so that that creates that you know that momentum that we were talking about that so that mm. they know collectively as much as we know as an audience correct yeah no agree totally agree so yeah so i i feel like i'm 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 out of things to say about this show Let's, so, let's cross over. Let's let's cross over to Fear the Walking Dead. So we're up to so season six, episode seven. Uh, this one called "Damage from the Inside." Uh, an interesting choice of words because we've heard Strand use that expression before, which I um I, I picked up on. So this one, the synopsis goes that when Dakota goes missing, Strand sends Alicia and Charlie on a search and rescue mission to find her, and then an unlikely ally provides a new possibility of escape from Virginia. So I enjoyed this story. It was good to see what was going on with Alicia. We talked about this before, that we haven't seen her for a while. And honestly, I only think that because the other episodes of this season have been so great that this one felt just just good. Um, and I guess possibly what 
is a little bit of a it's still good but what is a little bit disappointing is how this episode is sort of served up as a mid-season finale because it's written as a, as a normal episode and maybe i was just expecting a little bit more but if you know if this episode had shown up in season one two or three i'd say it would be a standout episode if you know what i mean I actually enjoyed this episode maybe a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm with you that it, it definitely wasn't um, mid-season uh, break level, but I thought it was it was a good episode. And I think it's because I'm, I'm such an Alicia fan. I actually really appreciated Charlie a lot more in this episode as well. Uh, I thought she's really grown as a character. It was great to get um, Morgan back on the scene. Um, it was great to see um, Virginia's frustration. It was kind of great to see this kind of House of Horrors concept kind of play out. I thought that was kind of interesting. It was interesting to see kind of the the tension, um, I guess, reemerge between Alicia Strand and, and Morgan. And I, I kind of was like, oh, like a, a little bit of a, a groany kind of sigh that like, of course, they can't all just go together and they all just can't, can't get on and ultimately Morgan's creating something that they've already got somewhere else and it's kind of just a <sighs> but at, at the same time I I really enjoyed the the Alicia storyline and I'm glad that she got a, a good episode to herself and I actually thought they did a, a great job of her silhouette in the opening yes. title card yeah whoever's doing these opening title cards on fellow walking dead deserves deserves some kind of award because it's always i can't wait to see it each week it's kind of like a standout thing that none of the other shows have uh i really enjoy that i think when you talked about the house of horrors i think this whole episode play out played out a little bit like a horror and so maybe that's why i didn't quite vibe it as much but that said there's there's a lot about it that is really good as you say there's some really good camera work in this episode as well which makes for some really good visual storytelling there was some really good cinematography it's kind of like a this one was like a character study it was very slow paced it was very deliberate the guy who plays ed i thought he was an interesting character Um, that sort of portrayal of what it might be like if you were someone who might if you've lived alone in a post-apocalyptic world for, for a long, long time, um, I thought there was yeah, some good acting from him. He'd obviously gone a little bit crazy and that brought the horror element in. But um, yeah, as we talked about before, the, the showrunners really, they do get this show now and they know where to put the twists in. They know where the morally gray characters are. And the yeah, Strand, Carmen Domingo's performance was was really, really good. And yeah, Morgan brings something to the table as always. And I had that same sigh moment as you with the, oh, why can't we all just get along? <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it? It's and it's a and it's a shame because I, so uh, Bear has had such a great season, and I think this is overall a really strong season. We've both commented lots about how they've got some great characters, great story development. It is a shame that the you know, and this is outside of their control. It's you know, COVID related. The whole world's having to be different. That we have to take the mid-season break here because I think what that actually does is it means the the opening episode of the next half of the season will end up being really strong by default mm-hmm. uh, because it was was going to be the end, and then it kind of puts the story a little bit out of sync. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, I think where you've got to the cards you get dealt. That's what you got to you got to work with. So it's. Look, it's it, it was it was good, and I, I see it's got quite good review. Like it's got you know it's getting in, in the eight still for reviews. So, um, 
I'm I'm glad that the show is doing well. Yeah, and look, uh, Diana really enjoyed this episode as well, and you did too. And I feel like for once I'm out of kilter. I'm I'm the one sort of bringing it down a bit, but um, but yeah, still well, top well. quality, still still top top quality. <laughs> So um, it's, it's, it, look, I'm, look, I'll be honest. More than anything else, I've really got used to this routine of watching these shows. And even though I've been sitting here slagging off World Beyond, I still enjoy sitting down to watch it. And so uh, it'd be a shame to have to wait till next year for another Fear the Walking Dead. But there we go. It's been a great season thus far. Yeah, look, I, look we 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 say this all the time. We we love to kind of hate on it because I think we love it. Uh, but uh, I'm like you. I look forward to watching both of these shows. And it does make me wonderful. I feel like we're going to need to find another couple of shows that we're in sync on. Because I, I really enjoy watching something each week and then being able to talk about it with you. So maybe we might need to find something else that, that fills the void. Particularly after, you know, obviously we're about to finish Fear and Will Beyond. We're about to finish Mandalorian by Christmas. So maybe in that January, February period, we're going to need mm. a, a little a little chaser. I think that chaser... Quite easily, Dan, would be for you to do the rewatch of Better Call Saul. We just bring a, an episode of that to the table each week. But, you know, we can talk about that offline. I don't expect you to commit to that on air. I'll bully uh, you offline. You okay, so that must make it movie of the week time. So here we go. Each week, Dan and I choose a couple of movies and say to the other one, you pick one. And that's what happens in this week. <laughs> This week, we call this movie of the week. I'm not sure this quite constitutes it, but you and I both wanted to watch it, and that's why we both chose it, I guess. This is Lego Star Wars, uh, the holiday special. So um, this is a, an animated, funnily enough, uh, movie, TV movie, a very short movie on Disney+, Plus, just under an hour. And uh, this is this is really interesting. So the, the premise here, uh, and by the way, each week you can find the the movie that we're going to watch in our discord community channel uh so you can watch along with us so do join us and you can join us by clicking on the link in the show notes anyway lego star wars holiday special so ray aka ray skywalker just saying that to trigger a few people uh, leaves her friends to prepare for life day as she sets off on an adventure today to gain a deeper knowledge of the force and at a mysterious temple she's hurled into a cross timeline adventure and will she make it back in time for life day so this is a this is a whole lot of fun i thought it was a really nice tongue-in-cheek homage to the, the, the to the 1978 star wars holiday special um that of course is, is never spoken of which features chewbacca and han solo trying to get to the wookie home world of kashyyyk to celebrate life day but they're impeded by an imperial blockade and uh Chewie's family pastime with various forms of, of, of entertainment. So uh, so they've obviously played on that quite nicely. What do you think, Dan? Um, what did I think? So there was a lot of moments that I enjoyed. Like there's a lot of great humour, um, particularly I think for for the, for the adults. I imagine it's probably a, quite a bit of fun watching this with some kids. I think the thing that was enjoyable was watching them – across all genres of the different Star Wars movies and the different trilogies and some of the funny scenes and, you know, like just some, some funny moments like Obi-Wan saying to um, Qui-Gon, like, I don't want to be part of trade negotiations. It's so boring. And it's like, yeah. and, you know, the actual premise of, like, why they're actually on some of these missions is it's so accurate. I'm glad it was only 
what is it? It's 44 minutes. Right. I was kind of glad when it was finished at the same time. Like I, I had some fun. I had a couple of laughs. It was also a little bit painful. Yeah, look, I, I get what you're saying, and I think that the length of time was just about right. I, I feel like I liked the way they found this way to have Ray essentially have like a TARDIS and go explore some of the the favourite scenes from across the, the Star Wars universe. I enjoyed, like you said, the sort of poking, poking fun at itself uh, in places where there's been known haters, you know, like the, the, the Jar Jar scene being very, very brief, just like the, the Obi-Wan, I don't want to be part of the training. Again. You know, those are really cleverly done. Um, what I really enjoyed about it, actually, I thought that the voice actors were really, really good in this. Like I thought particularly the people that they got to do the voices of Ray and Vader were really authentic. I thought that was really, really well done. And then how with some characters like Palpatine, they just gave up and they just actually, if anything, they kind of went with doing the voice of Seth MacFarlane's Palpatine from Robot Chicken. Like they actually sort of like really embraced that and then sprinkled in amongst all that, you've actually got some of the original cast. So like Anthony uh, Daniels, who always plays C-3PO and everything, he was there. Uh, Kelly Marie Tran as Rose. Billy D. Williams at the age of 83 still has that amazing voice as, as Lando. And then even from, from Clone Wars and Rebels, people like Matt Lanter as Anakin, James Arnold Taylor as Obi-Wan, Tom Kane as Yoda. All of those guys, I just, I loved seeing those guys. And actually my biggest complaint was I, I, don't, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more content from 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 clone wars from rebels even from rogue one or from solo but i guess they wanted the mainstream audiences to be able to recognize what was going on so you know that's okay i think that's an interesting point because i think it would have been really cool to pull on more of the the clone wars and rebel content particularly because this is on the disney plus platform where, where they're really pushing those as um great shows for everyone to watch i think um this is uh uh, holiday special, a little a little mini movie that I actually think is, is perfect for the Christmas Day watch. It's perfect if you've got some some young Padawans, some some young cousins. Um, I think that the adults can have a bit of a laugh along. I think the the one bit that gave me a little bit of uh, stress and anxiety was when um, Ray is time hopping through the different uh, movies and. I felt like she was kind of changing the the outcome of some of the events or even just like the, the, the people that she was bringing with her or the things that she was telling people. It, it was like, ah, you're, you're messing up the canon timeline. Like, what's going on? But you know, obviously, chill out. It's fine. Everything got reset back to normal. It's fine. It's correct, fine. correct. And look, at my, I guess my rating of this is a little higher purely on the basis that I'm not comparing this to anything other than things like the other Lego Star Wars I've seen. So I'd say this is probably my favourite of all of them so far. Like I think I own all of the other ones. So we've got the, the the Padawan Menace, the Empire Strikes Out, the Yoda Chronicles. For, for me, all of them, I think this one is probably the, the most well-rounded. And again, it's that, that, that best cast I've heard in a Lego Star Wars production. And in fact, what it did for me, actually, it kind of whetted the appetite for me for the the, the Lego Star Wars Skywalker saga, which was supposed to have come out earlier this year, but it's been delayed to early next year. So, um, yeah, I can think of one six-year-old in my house who will have a lot of fun playing that. And, you know, like you said, all four of us watched it. So two adults, an 11-year-old and a six-year-old. It was a, it was a bit of fun for a Saturday afternoon. And I, I guess, you know, to that point, like 
if that game had come out in the same time, this would have been a perfect segue, right? Because it would have got people interested. They probably could have had some Christmas DLC in that game where you could have had actually some of these like outfits and, and characters in there. So I've probably been a little bit hard on it for what it is. Like it's a 44 minute, it's not really aimed at me, but I think they've got enough fun in there that any Star Wars fan will get something out of it. So it's a, it's a fun watch. Um, I, I think the the Lego component adds something special as well. Great. So that's our movie of the week. That has to be the quickest movie of the week review we've ever done. But to be fair, that's what you get with a 44-minute animated Lego movie. So um, great choice, Dan. Great choice. I, for one, appreciated it. Hence why when you gave me the two choices. No. Did Did I choose it? I've forgotten already. No, I, I I gave you the choices. That's right. Okay, good, 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 good. You need a break, Paul. You need it's, to you need to wind down for Christmas. It's too much. Must be time for a little bit of news. So, Dan, a couple of things uh, on the the news desk for me this week. Uh, firstly, I saw a trailer called the Comeback Trail, um, which looks like it could be a bit of. A bit of fun. Uh, we've got Robert De Niro, Morgan Freeman, and Tommy Lee Jones in what has to be an action comedy. Uh, two movie producers who owe money to the mob set up their aging movie star for an insurance scam to try and save themselves. I mean, it's it's going to be slapstick. It's going to be slapstick. But with those three actors, uh, for me, that's a that's that's going to be a must watch. It'll be it'll be a bit of fun. Um, the other thing I was going to talk about was. Warner Brothers has confirmed the Wonder Woman 1984 release dates for the various different dates across the world. 16 December for the UK, for example, New Zealand, Boxing Day. What does that mean? Does it mean Boxing Day in the theatres or Boxing Day on my TV screen? I think it means Boxing Day in the theatres because the only place that it's going to be streaming is on HBO Max in America. So I can't get that. Looks like you're going to the theatres, Paul. Looks like it is. Boxing Day, that could work. There'll be, there'll be plenty of family around, so you know I'm sure we can work something out. That could be quite a bit of fun, I think. Um, the other thing I saw, The Boss Baby 2 um, is on its way, and this is an animated comedy that, within this household, is constantly on the TV, is constantly getting all the laughs, and I don't see how this sequel can fail to deliver. So Alec Baldwin, Boss Baby, great fun. And my final one was uh, the trailer for the second chapter of the War for Cybertron trilogy, Transformers Earthrise. Uh, that has aired. A little 10-second teaser trailer was aired this week. Um, it's going to be on Netflix from 30 December. Um, we posted on our, the, the, this, this uh, little teaser trailer on our Twitter page uh, this week, and we got a like from our old pal, uh, Jason Monosha, who plays Megatron, who you may recall Dan listened to our review of season one on this podcast, which was great. So he'll be on Earthrise alongside many of the cast from that first chapter, including our old mate Frank Todaro, who plays Air Commander Starscream, who introduces our podcast each week. So that'll be another one for us to, to look forward for the Christmas break. Look at you, Paul, with all this news. I don't know who you think you are, but you need to stand down. I really want to. News. I really wanted to surprise you because every time you always say it's time for the news and I throw it straight back, you're like, ping, pong. And I thought, not this time, son. This time I've got some news, but I will hand it to you now. All right. Well, I've only got a couple of things. Um, so um, 
Paul, I think you might be a fan. I think I'm I'm a little bit of a fan. Uh, Taylor Swift is bringing her folklore concert to Disney Plus just in time for Thanksgiving in America. So folklore, um, obviously, album that came out in 2020, um, came out kind of with COVID and all that stuff going on. And I think this coming to Disney Plus should be a whole lot of fun. If you're a Taylor Swift fan, I think you're definitely going to enjoy it. Her last special on Netflix was um, great to watch, great to put on on a you know, Friday, Saturday night. Again, a bit of background music, particularly if you've been to the concert. So this will definitely be a fun one to keep an eye out for on Disney+. Plus. In fact, by the time you all listen to this episode, it should be out on Disney+. Plus. That's great news. I was surprised to hear it was Disney+. Plus. I figured it might go on like Apple or, or um, I don't know, because so much of her stuff has gone that way before. So that this is this is great because I've got Disney+. Plus. Good one, Paul. Good one. So uh, <laughs> um, also, I don't know, are you an Expense fan, Paul? This is a, an Amazon sci-fi TV show. There's, uh, I think there's about four seasons out at the moment. They're currently filming season five, but it's just been renewed for a season six, um, even though season five hasn't actually come out yet. So... I've only seen a little bit of the expense, but it, it looks like a top quality TV show. You know when someone recognize, sort of like recommends a, a dish or a restaurant or something and everyone raves about it and you go along there and you try it and you're like, oh, I don't think this is really for me. That's how I felt about the expense. I just, I found it too complicated. I found the characters, I, I just couldn't dive in. It didn't ease me in gently. And I feel like, do I need to give it another go? I don't know. But um, everyone I talk to about the show is just raving about it, and it triggers me because I tried it and I didn't. It didn't quite work for me. So, uh, yeah, six seasons—that's a good run. It's a really good run. We we might have even got through the first season. Um, I can't remember why we stopped, but we were having quite. A, it did take a little while to get into it, and it's a show. I think you have to really concentrate on. It's not a show where you can be looking at your phone at the same time, and there's some. I think it's kind of got a bit of a Battlestar Galactica vibe to me, um, which is why I think it's probably worth us getting into it at some point. At some point. All right, two other pieces of news. So we've talked a little bit about um, The Queen's Gambit on Netflix. And so Netflix, which they don't do this very often, they release some stats on how many people have watched this in its first 28 days. Um, And so this is Netflix most popular limited series release and they had 62 million households watch this over 28 days that's almost as much we get in terms of listens Dan. that that is almost half measures numbers you know it's not quite but yeah. it's, it's it's up there right mm-hmm. and so that's I, I still haven't checked out queen's gambit but i actually joined a, a conference call at work and um people were talking about the show and people were raving about it, and they were people that i would not expect to um to watch and binge watch things on on TV. So at some point I might have to give this Queen's Gambit a go and see what I'm missing out on. It's about chess. Well, you and I like a bit of chess. We've been talking a bit about it. So maybe at some point over this holiday season, it'll make it onto my my viewing list. It's it's quickly filling up though, I tell you. I just added it to list as we spoke. So yeah, I could be there too. And a final bit of news that Deadpool 3 um, is currently being explored. So, you know, we've talked quite a bit about um, Ryan Reynolds of, of late on the podcast, but it looks like that's finally found a writer. Um, and so they've got the team from Bob's Burgers actually working on this with Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds is going to reprise his role. 
They've got a really unique style of humour, which I think probably fits well into this. Um, and it will be interesting now because Deadpool and how he fits into that wider um, Marvel Disney kind of universe and where that show might sit. Um, and they still obviously want to keep the R rating. So I think a lot more news is going to come out about this one in the, the coming months. But uh, for those Deadpool fans out there, Movie three is coming your way. Interesting. That's me, Paul. Okay, so I'll flick it over to the mailbag. A few things in here. So we had two of the two of the stars from Hotel Mumbai that we reviewed last week responded to our review on social media. Um, we had Nazanin Baniadi, who played the the mother who was separated from her baby, and also um, Anupam Kerr, who played the the head chef in the restaurant, so the guy that was, you know, trying to keep everyone calm and quiet, and then tried to get them out. Um, so those two, and also the movie screenwriter uh, John Colley, they all shared our review, um, which was great. And in fact, John, the the writer, he even started following us on Twitter as well. So that was that was pretty cool. Your review of Wayne on Amazon Prime has also got some love from the socials. Dan, we had uh, we had quite a few people. Uh, sharing the review, including uh, the director, Stephanie Lang. Um, she's also a producer on on Veep, and she's produced like heaps of uh, um, episodes of Eastbound and Down. So she's she's in some, some great stuff. Um, a post was also shared by uh, Rhett Reese. Now, Rhett Reese is a name who may have come up in your Deadpool article because he's not only the writer for Wayne, but he's also the writer of Deadpool 1, Deadpool 2, Zombieland 1 and 2, Six Underground, a whole bunch of other films and TV shows. So that was good. And finally, um, we also had a, a retweet from Francesco Antonio, who plays the character of Reggie in Wayne as well. So I thought you might appreciate those ones, Dan, from Wayne. That's really awesome. It's... um. I feel like we're we're getting the we're getting the word out here in New Zealand, and I feel hopefully those those Wayne numbers are up there like uh, the Queen's Gambit. Because I want my season two. That's, I want more Wayne. That's what all of the guys online are talking about. They all want season two. It's it's, it's a real thing. Um, also, Dan, further to your conversation about this last week and the fact that um, the the show went out to you know from from youtube premium to amazon prime we also had some comments on our instagram about how lucky we are to have this show in new zealand apparently it's not airing in the uk brazil india or even even russia in fact we had this one wayne fan from russia who seemed pretty surprised that we had it here in new zealand and he wasn't getting it in russia so consider yourself quite lucky dan i you know it's so frustrating isn't it when Content isn't a, isn't a, available globally. I feel like in this this day and age, um, you just expect that you're going to be able to find anything uh, that you like, but it's it's just not the case. There's so many different rules and laws and copyright agreements, and who's got the rights to to play it where really has big impacts on on us, the audience. Have I talked to you about Star Trek Lower Decks? I may have. Never heard of it. I may have. Yeah, don't start me. Um, couple of last pieces here. So my review of the, the Star Wars novel Catalyst also resonated with a, a few people online, uh, including Trisha from Time Travelling Team Podcast. Uh, she listened to the audiobook version. She liked it too. A lot of value added as to the, the novelization, which is a, a really good read. I agree with her on that. Um, I've got that book as well. 100% love that. And 
finally, our peak performance for uh, producer Jerry Bruckheimer. We had a few votes come in uh, for for Top Gun, uh, including from Ryan, who also noted that Bruckheimer's on board for for Top Gun too as well. I'm not sure if you were aware of that. Um, oh no, I think you talked about that last week, didn't you? Uh, yeah. So Paddy, who, as we know, patented our new three two one approach, he went with Remember the Titans, Beverly Hills Cop two, and his number one was Enemy of the State. And he also confirmed my question last week. Uh, you know, does the movie hold up to the test of time? He says, yes, it does. He recently rewatched it and said it definitely holds up. So, so that was great. So that's the mailbag. And as always, if you want to get in amongst that, do get in touch with us um, at Half Measures Pod on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Cool. So it must be time for peak performance. So much like a movie of the week, uh, Paul and I take turns choosing a, a director, a producer, an actor, an actress. Um, this week, uh, Paul's chosen Gene Hackman. And so we are going to do our three, two, one of Gene Hackman's best movies. It's amazing. What do you got, Paul? It's amazing how these things come about because I've only gone with Gene Hackman because you got me thinking about the movies he was in because you chose Jerry Bruckheimer last time. And uh, that's how it sort of came to mind but gene hackman he's just he's just another one of those classic actors of our time who we haven't seen him for a long time i looked up his last movie was 2004's uh what's it called something mooseport welcome to mooseport which i don't think was great but there have been a lot of classics in his career um going all the way back to the 1960s and my 321 actually features one film from the 70s one from the 80s and one from the 90s so in third place for me it's 1971's The French Connection, which is a movie, one of the first movies I think I bought on Blu-ray when that, that format sort of won the, the format wars. Remember the format wars between Blu-ray and HD DVD? <laughs> that was one of the first ones I think I got. Um, his character, Jimmy Doyle, um, a.k.a. Popeye. Probably the first ever narcotics movie I ever watched. And I just found Hackman with his, as a badass New York cop looking to take down a, a drug smuggling operation with a with a with a French connection, hence the name, was 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 really, really good. And it's a movie that I feel has again stood the test of time. Um and his performance is, is really strong in it. Number two for me, 1992's Unforgiven, playing the character of Lil Bill, Lil Bill Daggett. Pure evil this guy, right? Pure hatred, absolutely terrifying. And he was such a great not even just bad guy just really just horrible guy just really against the you know like the good guy character morgan freeman and the hero clint eastwood just really 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 great and he's just this is a clint eastwood movie directed and starring clint eastwood but when i think of this movie i think more of gene hackman which is is pretty crazy the number one for me dan 1980 superman 2 Lex Luthor. My, my love of the Superman movies is in no small part due to just about every line Gene Hackman says as Lex Luthor. He personified what this character is for me and I just found him as a, as a, as a villain, as a humorous tongue-in-cheek villain, of course, given the nature of those movies. I just found him absolutely superb and it was the biggest disappointment when he wasn't in Superman 3, which we've talked about before, is, is one of my new, my movies to get to know me. And I just feel like if Superman 3 had Gene Hackman in it, it may well be the greatest movie of all time. Dan, over to you. 
Whew, some big calls in there, Paul. I think um, Gene Hackman has got a, a pretty star-studded uh, portfolio of movies. I actually found it quite tricky to choose my three, two, one, but as um, you know, I'm really, I'm really on board with it because it really focuses us in on choosing what what we think is the best. So I'm going to go with my three is I'm going to go with the 1988 movie Mississippi Burning. And the first time I saw this movie was actually in um, history class in fourth form. Um, and it was a disturbing um, movie about some well, – disturbing. It's an unfortunately historical um, movie about some real-life events that happened to Amer- in America. And listen to the tagline of this movie. 1964 – when America was at war with itself. That that could be a tagline of today. That's mm-hmm. it, it's so crazy. Anyway, this movie um is uh interesting um and learned sort of um retelling of some um terrible events that happened in history. And um I remember it was sort of first time really sort of thinking differently about um actors and what they kind of do in different roles and how things work. So it's a movie that really just sort of stands out for me. Number two is I'm going to go with, same as you, Paul, the 1992 Unforgiven. So another, even though uh, Gene Hackman plays the plays the bad guy in this film, again, absolutely great performance, such a great movie. It's I, I can't speak highly enough. But for my number one, I'm going to go with Crimson Tide. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we love a good submarine movie around here. And this is second to none. Uh, It's really great to see um, Gene Hackman as uh, as Captain Ramsey. And just, I I can't speak, it's been so long since I've seen this movie. I I, I want to watch it again. And just as I look back through the cast of Denzel Washington and Matt Craven, Mm -hmm. Viggo Mortensen, James Gandolfini, there's so many great actors in this. Um, And Gene Hackman was definitely a standout. And so for me, that's my number one. Some great picks. I struggled like you. Damn you, Paddy, for making us do this three, two, one. Like that that movie was just so close to mine and in the end it didn't quite make it but yeah like you just looking back at at the cast on that movie a really really great choice mississippi burning do you know what i'm not entirely sure if i've seen that movie i might have to go look that one up because that looks that looks pretty hardcore as well yeah look it's um it's not a it's not a light movie it obviously deals with a a lot of racism, a lot of um, sort of hate crimes, and some pretty um, some pretty terrible topics. But it's a uh, still uh, a, a movie which is, is still unfortunately probably relevant today. Great stuff. Well, I can't wait to hear what peak performance you'll have for me next week, Dan. But uh, yeah, once again, our thanks to Frank Todaro, aka Starscream, and to Mission Log and the Roddenberry Podcast Network for sponsoring this week's episode. And if you'd like to sponsor an episode, let us know at halfmeasurespodcast.com. A special shout-out to our Patreon producers of the show, Trisha Brady and Samara King. Um, thank you for your support. If you too would like to become a Patreon of the show, then you can find the details for that in the show notes below. Um, but if you are listening to this um, from somewhere in the world where you celebrate Thanksgiving, 
we hope you and your family are well um if you're anywhere else in the world we also hope you well be safe look after yourself and adios